Hey, welcome everybody. This is the 2016 edition of the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm Ian Riccoboni. That's I as in Ivan Putzky, A as in Adam Cole, and N as in Nana for you wrestling fans. And I'm joined by my good friend Steve Carino. Steve, I know you're a huge Phillies fan and our, our connections, as some may know, uh, lead us back to Ring of Honor. But I think we connected first as Phillies fans. Oh, absolutely, you know, and that was the uh, common denominator that got us to hang out and uh, attached at the hip at these live events, and uh, yeah, it's our, our love of the Phillies, and you know, 2016 season's just right upon us. Yeah, we are just in single digits away from pitchers and catchers, which is, is kind of exciting for me. Uh, I saw on the Phillies' Twitter page that the Philly Fanatic was apparently riding down to Clearwater uh, in between the cab and the bed of an 18-wheeler. I don't know if that's too safe. And well, they... did, you, did you see that the Indians, they tweeted out like that it was unsafe. And right, right then and there, I'm calling the Indians out. Don't stick your nose in the Philly Fanatics business. You know, you're going to be in the same place that we are this year. You know, so it's not like we can be in the World Series or anything like that. But yeah, don't start a Twitter war with the, the Philly Fanatics. Yeah, and the Phillies really showed him. I mean, they showed the various footages of the footages. Is that a word? Uh, they showed the various footage of the Philly. Fa- <laughs> the feats of strength. It was like Festivus, the Philly fanatic doing one arm push ups, doing all kinds of great. You know, if anybody can do it, it's the fanatic. But right, that Cleveland team with their racist name. It's about time you change your name, Indians. I agree, and I think a lot of other folks will. At least they changed the logo a little bit. The logo is a little less racist. Um, I, I think they should go all the way, though, and, you know, maybe get the permission of a tribe and honor a tribe or maybe uh, just go in a completely different direction. But anyway, <laughs> as we get on the topic of that. So one of the one of the first things that brought us together, Steve, we were in Las Vegas last year for Ring of Honor's 13th anniversary. And this year, the 14th anniversary will be on live on pay-per-view on Friday night, February 26th. And uh, I know your good friend, Mr. Wrestling 3 and Kevin Kelly will be calling it, but... Um, uh, I, I was there when you made a bet, you made a bet that the, you made two bets actually, that the Phillies would win the world series and that the Phillies would be under the 64 and a half or 65 and a half wins, uh, that were predicted in, in Vegas. Well, you know, if you know me, you know, I'm a real high roller when I go to Las Vegas, you know, I, I like, I like to bet the ponies. I like to, uh, throw some money on baseball, you know, $2 at a time. And you, the, the Phillies bet was a good one because it was the first time I've ever bet on baseball. You know, um, you know, just taking a page out of my my one of my heroes, Pete Rose's book, figured I'd bet on baseball. <laughs> and the Phillies were a hundred and one, hundred to one to win the World Series, so I had to put five dollars down on that. And then the over under of wins was sixty eight and a half, so I took the under for five dollars. <throat> And uh, I won five dollars and fifty cents back. Uh, so uh, I, I, I evened out. I did okay. But this year, the, the, it looks like Vegas has the Phillies at sixty-six and a half wins. And you know, as, as I trek on to Vegas in the next couple weeks and, and place my yearly bet, I personally, even though that they, you know, we've heard the word tanking you know, thrown out there a lot on MLB Network Radio. I, I don't believe in the tanking. I, I do believe that this is a true rebuild, and 66 and a half wins just seems really, really low, considering we have to play the Braves 19 times. I'm going with the over this time, and I'm not going by over much. You know, I, I'm looking at 69, 70 wins, 
But um, I'm interested to see what uh, what you're you're gonna be doing when I collect your five dollars to take it to Vegas. <laughs> right. Well, so I'm I would actually go with the over also, and it's for a couple simple reasons. Um, they ran out a lot of dreck last year at starting pitching, and that includes Sean O'Sullivan, who had a 6.08 ERA, uh, Dustin McGowan, who Mayor and Governor Ed Randell thought was still on the team in an op-ed in September, despite the fact he was cut in, I believe, May. <laughs> he had he had a 6.94 ERA. I mean, they ran former outfielder Adam Lowen out as a reliever, uh, 6.98 ERA. And then guys like Jerome Williams and Kevin Correa, who, you know, they're they're kind of like D-level starting pitchers. Um, at least this year, they're filling out the rotation with like C and low B-level guys like uh, Jeremy Hellickson and Charlie Morton. Um, and also you're, oh, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, and you're, you're replacing guys like, uh, Cody Ashey, uh, Jeff Francoeur, Grady Sizemore, Chase Utley, and Don Brown, who all had on base percentages well under 300, which is kind of hard to do, uh, in the, in the lineup. So just between the, the tweaks and incremental upgrades of the starting pitching in the lineup, I really think the Phillies will be above that, that 66 and a half wins. And, you know, it's it's weird because it's almost like they bottomed out and there's a lot of optimism, I, I feel like, in the fan base and, and between both of us. Oh, yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like, I don't know. I, I've been such a Phillies fan for, for all my life and I've seen so many bad teams that were just bad. You know, there, there's a concept to this uh, rebuild and, and what the new management have brought to the table. And, you know, on paper you go, oh, Helixson. Morton, they're old, they're beat up and stuff like that. But I think guys like you and I look at uh, these guys as inning eaters. These mm-hmm. are guys that are going to throw 170, 180 innings. They're going to uh, pitch six, you know, six innings a game. And, yeah, they might have four ERAs, you know, or four fives, but they're going to keep the game pretty close. And uh, you had said it with, with the guys that were had the on-base percentage of under 300. I mean, that hurt so bad. And, you know, I, I I'm the biggest Chase Utley fan that you're gonna to find on on this podcast. I mean, I even have his Dodgers shirt right now. <laughs> you know, he just put up disappointing numbers, and, and you know, you, it's hard to understand that your your favorite players are gonna get old. But so, you know, these pitchers that the, the Phillies picked up on the offseason, the veterans are gonna keep these these guys in the game because the, the offense has a lot of work that they got to do. You know, we don't have a lot of power. And I think we know that going in, you know, but and it's for right now, you know, who knows what's going to happen. We have the number one pick in the draft. We have uh, so many different options uh, coming up through the, the minor leagues. And I, I believe that 66 and a half wins just wasn't a great analysis. So, you know, it's 69, 70, that's, that's doable. But I believe 72, 73 is a huge success. Yeah, I, I would mark that there as well. And I think the thing, too, you know, you mentioned you mentioned some of the older arms and, and some of the young talent. I, I think there's actually a plan in place, which is kind of exciting for the first time in a number of years. You know, you have the guys uh, like Helix and like Morton. If you can get value for them at the trade deadline, you can move them along and you have a number of young arms that might be ready uh, that might not start the season with the team like Mark Appel is one. Um, I'd like to see more of Alec Asher, even though I think Alec Asher will end up in the bullpen. Uh, you have a lot of those guys, and you know they've replenished the farm system so well with some great trades. The the Cole Hamels deal, oh, uh, yeah. 
that might have been one of the best I've seen in my lifetime uh, for the Phillies. And then uh, the Kenny Giles deal in the offseason was incredible as well. Um, what do you think? What do you think the best offseason move was for the Phillies this year, Steve? Well, I think you know the Cole Hamels deal happened before the season ended, and the, and then the Kenny Giles deal, which was surprising at me on paper, and then when I, I saw what they got back for him, I, I was so thrilled, you know, because it made sense. This team's not going to win for the next two or three years, so why why waste a guy like Ken Giles at the back of your rotation? You know, you, you could be building for the future. You send that guy out to a team that he can help and they can help us. And and once again, the the, the plundering of the the Houston Astros continues. <laughs> the Phillies just always end up using the Houston Astros as their like. Uh, 4A team, you know, let's, oh, you know what, let's call somebody up from the Astros. And it's been a, a secret of their success over the, the last few years. And I, you know what, I'm going to go with a dark horse here. And who knows if he'll even make the team, you know, but I, I've always liked him. He's not a real good bat. Peter Borges is a, a real dark horse for me this year because of his speed uh, the the ground that he covers in center field, he can give Ab- Abdul Herrera a little little break. Or what if we have to put Herrera in right field? So I, I believe that Peter Borges is, is definitely the wild card this year of of the off season trade. So or off uh, off season dealings. But there has not been one deal that this new management system has has made that I have you know once you read into it you go. Man, that was awful. They really seem like they have a plan together. And the next golden era of the Phillies is right around us. It's not seven years away. It's it's three, you know. And that's, and we also need to remember that the, the new TV deal starting and stuff like that, there's cash flow. There is cash flow into the Philadelphia Phillies system that what if we pick up a Jose Batista next year to play first base? You know, what if we go for that one big – free agent that's going to hit 40 home runs um, to help out this team that doesn't have a lot of power. We have Ruiz coming off the books. We have Ryan Howard coming off the books, even if these two even make it to July. So I I believe that the the Philly system, the Philly brain trust has really, really put together a a great business plan for the next few years. Yeah, I wrote an article on philliesnation.com, I believe back in October, and the number I got at that time, and I'll have to go back and reference it, was I believe $89.2 million in freed salary uh, following the 2016 season. So there, And that's before you include any additional revenue that they might have. If they're willing to spend all of that money, uh, you could get a number of key players while developing uh, some of your young players, much like the Washington Nationals did just a few years ago. Absolutely. And, you know, we... We look at like the, the free agent class of 2017 coming up, and they say it's weak. But really, with all these opt-out clauses, with the new contracts and stuff like that, who knows? A Cespedes could be available if, if the Mets tank this year. You know, could you see him running around Citizens Bank Park? Uh, a Yasiel Fleet could be available. You know, the, the Dodgers are dying to get rid of him, and Philadelphia loves a, a, a comeback story. So there's going to be people out there. Jose Batista would would be amazing, you know, for a three-year contract. You know, say three years, seventy million. Man, he's going to bring in people to to watch him hit those those home runs. So 
I, you know, these, these moves that the Phillies made are definitely all towards the positive. Yeah, and my favorite move this offseason, um, I know we mentioned the Ken Giles deal. I think that one kind of goes without saying. That one is a lot of people's favorite move. But I really like uh, taking uh, Tyler Goodell in the Rule 5 draft. Um, he's a guy who spent time at all three outfield positions in the minors, uh, but he did come up as an infielder, so there's going to be some growing pains. And that kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it, to what we saw last year with Adubel Herrera. But I like his speed. Uh, he has 108 steals over four minor league seasons, and his power has demonstrably increased over the last four years. His slugging percentage keeps getting better. He had a career-high 12 home runs last year at Double A. And he's just getting better as a player each year. If you look at his stats, um, every time they cha- every time the uh, the Rays challenged him at the next level, he delivered and he improved. Um, I think that he has the potential, maybe as the left fielder or the center fielder. And it's interesting now because they essentially have three center fielders in in Borges, Herrera, and uh, Goodell. But I think if he finds a way to play good, solid defense. I think he's going to be a very, very, very interesting piece for the Phillies for this year and the next couple of years. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's that's the exciting part of this rebuild. You know, the the losses that we rack up um, aren't going to mean as much because you know we're we're playing for tomorrow. We're really not playing for today. And I know it's going to hurt at the ballpark and ticket sales and stuff like that. But me as a fan that lives in North Carolina and gets the MLB.tv package and stuff like that. I mean, these are the guys going to be watching for just their improvement, their, their numbers that are going to increase May, June, July, August, September. And because you, you just know that, that, you know, everything is going to come together. Now, what was the move that disappointed you the most? Oh, that's a great question. I I think for me that starts and ends with, with Jesse Biddle. And it's not because he's a player that I think will be a superstar. Um, for me, Jesse Biddle... Uh, who was drafted in the first round in 2010, represents a hometown guy. Um, He was drafted during the best run that I've ever seen as a Phillies fan uh, in 2010. And he was kind of the symbolism of the feeling that the party was going to last forever, if that makes sense. Um, They had, you know, they had Roy Holiday at that time. They had, they would get Roy Oswalt. They had Cole Hamels. And then they draft this 18 year old kid who, was being called by Baseball Prospectus, Baseball America, as a potential you know, number two starter. And so by now, I was hoping to have seen him in the in the majors, you know, six years later or five seasons later. Uh, but the walks went crazy. The strikeouts went down. He was traded for Yorvis Medina, uh, who I, I'm an avid baseball fan like you are, Steve, and I hadn't really heard of Yorvis Medina. Um and I'm not really disappointed because the return was bad, but I'm just really disappointed because I was hoping that that he would pan out better. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he was one that I had picked as as a guy that, you know, maybe not a number two, but a number three, number four, especially, you know, thinking that Cliff Lee was still going to be with the team, thinking Cole Hamels was still going to be with the team. And, and that's right. You know, I was, I was kind of blindsided by, you know, it was feast or famine. You know, we were winning for so long and then, all of a sudden, it took a, you know, everybody got old and we forgot that they were going to get old. So, you know, he, him, you know, kind of being given up on is kind of disappointing. And, and what they got in the return is kind of disappointing on paper. And we'll see how it works out. For me, the, the, the recent signing of Taylor Featherston was 
to me, mind-baffling because <laughs> of, one, he's not a great player. I don't know where he's going to fit. And also with the scandal going on with the performance-enhancing drugs, and I was looking at it as, one, you don't want that on you. But now we have two players that were implicated in this, this story, whereas Taylor Featherstone would, said that he did it. But Ryan Howard has denied it. Now you have these two on the same team. And I think it just brings a little bit of uh, uncertainty that the press is going to have towards the Phillies. And for a guy that is not really going to help you. Whereas we, we all get it. Yasiel Quig is, is, is a jerk. No one likes him. You know, there was a quote on MLB um, Network Radio that said he was the worst human being alive. And, you know, I... I I tend to disagree. I, I, I know a few people that are really bad human beings, so he, he can't be that bad. <laughs> but I'm thinking, like, even he would look, help the Phillies, whereas uh, this kid, not so much. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of John McDonald. And, you know, yeah. but, you know, John McDonald, by all accounts, was a, a great clubhouse guy. And I'm not saying Tyler Featherston is or isn't. Um, I, I don't know of him very well. I know his rookie season was last year, but. Um, he just seems like a kind of a guy who's kind of there and he's, you know, a, a guy who can play defense and maybe not hit as well. Uh, but he does have a pretty sweet name and that, that kind of brings me to my next point. Uh, one of the guys that the guy that was that Jesse Biddle was moved to accommodate Bobby Laframbois was demoted yesterday. Uh, he did receive an invite to the major league camp. That's got to be one of the best names in, in the Phillies organization in some, in some time. I mean, between Taylor Featherston and, and Bobby Laframbois, uh, those are two names that I love. Was there, is there any other? And I think we're I think we're in a golden age of Phillies names, but I'll let you, uh, you know, is there anybody that sticks out from the past? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely, you know, and sometimes you just got to go back and stuff like that. But, you know, of course, my, my favorite one from the 1980 World Series team was Bake McBride. I mean, you know... The guy's name is Big, Shake and Big McBride, and he had that huge afro that like popped out out under his helmet, and he just he was he was, you know as a as a seven eight nine year old kid when he was with the Phillies, he was just amazing because you know who who names their kid Big? Um, another one that I liked was Heathcliff Slocum, right? Who who had a cup of coffee with the with the Phillies, but um, even going to today, Abdullah Herrera. For some reason, I always sing the Lion King theme, like Hakuna Matata with him, <laughs> Abdul Herrera, and you know, and then I, I do that, and then Cody Ashy is is one of my favorite names to say because of if you say it fast enough, it sounds very Japanese. Cody Ashi, <laughs> you know, and just the idiot in me, uh, you know, whether it was playing MLB the show before I traded him away, uh, or. You know, when he gets up to bat, you know, I could be in my living room all by myself. I'll be like, Koryashi. And it's, it's, it's goofy to say, but my, my, my honorable mention will be Paul Assenmacher. Did wow. I say that right? You did. Good, good old Assenmacher. <laughs> well, maybe it's a little softer on the, on the S. I think uh, it might be Assenmacher, but yeah. Yeah. I, I think both of us I, being. I get away with cursing. I feel like, uh, <laughs> Mom, have you seen Paul Asimacher? 
<laughs> well, well, I always like, there's a couple that jumped out for me, and I think we are in a golden age of, of great Phillies names. Uh, Adubre Ramos is, is a current uh, fellow in the Phillies system. And then, of course, the recently acquired Brett Olberholzer. Uh, I like that one, yeah. Yeah, who's, uh, who, in my opinion, may be the fifth starter, but we'll talk about that next week as we talk about pitchers and catchers. Um, and then there's Jared Eikhoff, who's another one. Just a ni- That one's nice and like quick, and like it feels like you said Kodiashi feels Japanese to you. Eikhoff feels like really German to me. Like, I yeah, right. It feels like, I, I don't know, like... It, it... That it's, one scares me sometimes, almost like he he was a guard in the 40s. I don't know. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, maybe he's one of Arnold's friends, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, right. We can go either way. Yeah, and then uh, Dalier Henyosa is another good one from, from today. That's and, a tough one to say. It is. It is. I always have to pause. Um, I tried <laughs> to say it during an episode of Phillies Nation TV last year, and it literally caused a, a break and reshoot three times uh, because I couldn't get it off my tongue. <laughs> And then uh, some from the past, some of my favorites, uh, Joe Bover, for some reason, always gave me a laugh. I always like Joe Bover. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, Sixto Lescano, the man that they benched. Oh, I love Sixto Lescano. Yeah, benched Von Hayes down the stretch in 83 for Sixto Lescano. Yeah. Uh, Jim Eisenreich is another one. Mm. And then uh, my pick for the oddball good player that had a cameo with the Phillies down the end of his career and also great name, uh, Fernando Valenzuela. Oh, that's a forgotten name. Yeah. He actually played for the Phillies. Man. Yeah, they had a couple like that. There was uh, Valenzuela. They had Sid Fernandez and I think, 96. Yep. Uh, Benito Santiago actually had a really great year at the plate for the Phillies. Uh, the year they brought him in to, to fill in for Dalton when Dalton was hurt. And then uh, there's a couple guys. Like I have a I have a Sports Illustrated cover on my wall. Um, it's a, it says a rosy reunion and then it's Tony Perez, Pete Rose and Joe Morgan all as Phillies, uh, as part of the Wheeze kids. Oh, Joe Morgan. I got a big, a big heat with Joe Morgan. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Not a, not a fan of Joe Morgan. No. Well, it's, uh, you know, he's, he was better as a player than a broadcaster in my opinion, but uh, we can, we can get to that soon. He's a guy that's jealous of every other second baseman. Yeah, I get it. You're in the Hall of Fame, but you're not the greatest second baseman of all time. And you know what, though? He's it's weird because I feel the same way. But then I when I feel that way, I, I look at his stats and try and justify that feeling. And then all of a sudden, I'm suddenly swayed that he is one of the greatest second baseman of all time. Oh, I'll give him that. He's definitely one of the greatest. But yeah, there's yeah. there's definitely a chip on his shoulder when when talking about the youngins. He he definitely has the back in my day complex. It feels like. <laughs> so we've mentioned we mentioned some trades. We mentioned acquisitions, things like that. Um, the Phillies last year were 27th in batting average, 29th in on base percentage, 28th in slugging, and they weren't very good on the with the pitching lines either. Which leads me to the big question: When you get MLB the show, Steve. Who are you trading first, and and who is your your target as the virtual Matt Klintak? Well, you know that there's there's a problem because I right now as of as of today I'm still on the 2015 game and I'm currently 86 and 70. You know I'm I'm wrapping up my season. I just clinched the NL East. Now in the beginning of the year I had made some crazy crazy trades. I had um, I had traded Ryan Howard right away for Alex 
Rodriguez and uh, I put him at first base. I put A-Rod at first base. Um, and then I, I made a little bit of, of trades. This year's team is going to be tough because I'm going in with a team that's not expected to, to win. So um, I'm going to see who's available. But I'm going to say, just like this year, I'm thinking Ryan Howard's the first guy that I get rid of because there's going to be a need of a first baseman somewhere. You know, I, I, a couple weeks ago, I, I saw that the Yankees needed somebody. They're, they're young first basemen's out for the year. I, I'm looking at somebody's going to need a power-hitting DH in July and stuff like that. So, to me, Ryan Howard says it all. Whether the Phillies have to pay at least half his salary, 70% of his salary to get rid of him, I, I think that that's going to be the, the first trade that, that happens. Um, but then we have Carlos Ruiz, who's also a guy in his last year. I could see Carlos Ruiz being dealt in, in July to a, a contender, you know, whether it be Pittsburgh, whether it be St. Louis or something, somewhere where he's going to want to go because he's obviously a 10 and 5 guy. He might have a no, no contract or no um, trade clause in his contract and stuff like that. So those are the two that I see. My, my wild card as a, as a guy that I see getting traded is Darren Ruff. I, I believe that Darren Ruff has never been given the opportunity to be a starter, be the player that he was in ready. And I believe that it's hurt his confidence to the point where I don't know if he believes that he's an everyday player. So maybe a change in scenery for Darren Ruff would be um, a, a big plus for him. And once again, you know, we're, we're talking about that first baseman spot, whether it be the Yankees or somebody to share, you know, very, very fragile. We can see what's going to, what's going to happen. Howard or, or Ruff could be a, a real big piece for somebody. Yeah, Darren Ruff's always a name. It, it feels like ever since his breakout year in Reading, um, he seems like he gets the Matt Rosati treatment, or he's a candidate for the Matt Rosati treatment. And what I mean by that is, I don't know if you remember Matt Rosati. I believe it was 2011. He had a very, very similar year to Darren Ruff in Reading, uh, but he was also kind of advanced in age. I believe he was 25 or 26. And the... Spring training, it looked like he had a shot to make the team following his big season. Uh, but the numbers were kind of against him. But there was still some hope. Uh, he, he ended up being traded to the Minnesota Twins. And it, every year, uh, it feels like Darren Ruff is a candidate for one of those real quiet trades right before the start of the season. He'll go, you know, it feels like he'll always go through spring training with the Phillies. And then every year, March 29th, 30, 31st, you know, I'll hit refresh on the transaction pages. And uh, I'm expecting, I'm kind of half expecting Darren Ruff to be seen for, you know, seen traded for future considerations or cash. And uh, it doesn't happen. He somehow makes the cut almost every year. This year, I believe he's out of options. I know they've been, um, they've been kind of using the option to send him back down to Lehigh Valley the past couple seasons. So, you know, that'll, it'll be interesting. I think he is actually, I agree with you. I think Darren Ruff is one of those guys that, that probably will get traded, especially, uh, with the just the volume of outfielders the Phillies have now. Um, if I was running the team on MLB The Show, I would try and trade Cody Ashey <laughs> right away. Uh, he had the 11th worst season of all time for a Phillies outfielder using this, the stat war from fan graphs and, uh, in 2015. So, you know, that's kind of addition by subtraction for me. And do you know who had the first worst season of all time for an outfielder? I'm just going to throw this trivia question out 
to you, Steve? That's a good one. I I don't know. Believe it or not, uh, statistically, the worst season of all time for any Phillies outfielder was Raul Abanez in 2011. Yeah, and somehow they hid that on what was by far the greatest regular season Phillies team of all time. Right. So, yeah, it just shows you that that one bad apple doesn't have to spoil the whole bunch. But if I was doing a virtual show, uh, MLB The Show team, you know, I, I think I'm trading Ashy, um, probably trying to trade Ruff. I don't know what I'd get for Howard just in like in real life. I think this is the year if you had to trade him out of that monstrous contract, I think you might get a nibble in the middle of the season with somebody desperate. And I, I do think Ruiz is gone. Um, I think Ruiz is gone at, at the trade deadline uh, because the Phillies have such great catching depth. And I think, you know, Cameron Rupp, I, I think he could be an everyday player. I, I think he's maybe an average everyday player. But then you have guys like Jorge Alfaro uh, acquired in the in the Hamels deal. And then you have Andrew Knapp, who has been kind of sneaking on the back end of these top 100 prospects lists. And both of those guys, theoretically in a in the perfect world scenario could be ready by the middle of the year um, and kind of could take over from from Rupper Ruiz as the everyday catcher. So I definitely agree on Howard and, and Ruiz. Uh, I don't know about the path for Howard in the video game world. It is a lot easier. And that's a pretty good <laughs> <laughs> but... if, if you're Cameron Rupp, he's batting 167 all year. Wow. Yeah, I had to bring Eric Kratz back for him. <laughs> well, I, you know, love Eric Kratz. He's a Lansdale guy, so who, yeah. who doesn't like Eric Kratz and his turkey bacon? But <laughs> so that that wraps it up for the first episode. Um, you know, every episode though, we've decided we're going to give away a prize, and this week's prize is a Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs Ken Giles bobblehead, which you can you can win. I know it's a uh, it's a little dated, but I get uh, as a media member, I get a, l- a lot of these tchotchkes and I get some of the giveaways at the end of the year. If we don't get giveaways at the days at the ballpark, um, sometimes they'll give us nice gift bags. So <laughs> instead of kind of distributing throughout my family or, or keeping them in my house, uh, I'm going to do my wife a favor and start to give them away. <laughs> so uh, our trivia question today, Steve, and I believe you know the answer to this. And it, it surprised me. Um, cause this one's tough. We're looking for what seldom Phillies, what seldom used Phillies reliever hit a triple in his only major league plate appearance in 1980. And now this is a tough one in you. You had texted me this one last night and I had the answer right away because I have a personal moment with this, this at being seven years old. And we'll, we'll talk about it next week, but those are the rules, man. You write it down, send it in, and if you if no one wins, then I take home the prize. I think those are the rules. Sure. It goes into my garage. As my wife just gave me the oh no. So this one's a tough one. So I'm I'm getting that I'm getting a spot ready in my garage right now for my Ken Giles bobblehead. Yeah, well, that again, the, the question is, what seldom used Phillies reliever hit a triple in his only major league plate appearance? In 1980, he would actually go on to score a run, too, which is even crazier for a reliever. Um, And yeah, so if you get the answer, we're going to, you know, this will be posted on philliesnation.com. What you'll need to do to win, you'll need to tweet at philliesnation um, with the word trivia and your answer. So that's that's all it is. Just trivia and your answer. Uh, We will pick a winner randomly. It's not going to be the first person because we know that 
you know, people might listen to this on Sunday. People might listen to this on Thursday. So when you hear this, tweet at Phillies Nation the word trivia and your answer. We will pick a random winner, and uh, I'll ship out the Ken Giles bobblehead. It's pretty cool. It says 100 miles Giles. Uh, it's got a little uh, speedometer there. And, uh, yeah, we, we're going to have some cool stuff to give away throughout the year. I got a lot of a lot of tchotchkes and, and little things around the house, you know, that, that might be fun for a Phillies fan. And maybe maybe we'll get uh, maybe we'll get some Ring of Honor swag too for for some of the crossover fans. I like that. I like that. You know, some uh, you know maybe Ring of Honor can make some baseball stuff that we we would you know can give away. Yeah, well, we there are the ROH autographed baseballs. I don't know if any are still available or any are still in stock, but I got five of them. Yeah, <laughs> those are pretty cool from Field of Honor. So they're a little bit of a tie in there. Maybe we'll do a live uh, live podcast there later this year. Absolutely, you know, especially Field of Honor. We, we got a ton of time. Philly's coming up. Also, I'll be at spring training in March for a weekend with my brother-in-law. So, you know, we'll have to uh, do some uh, a little bit of uh, live feeds from the the uh, from Clearwater in, in, in Tampa and and Dundadine or whatever you call Dundadine, <laughs> where the, the Blue Jays play. So, uh, it's going to be a fun season. Absolutely. So thanks for joining us on our first episode here. Next week, we're uh, it's pitchers and catchers time, Steve. So we're going to be talking about uh, the bullpen, which was a strength last year. And it's kind of something I see that could go in either direction next year after a massive overhaul. And then, of course, the rotation. Uh, by my count, there's three spots that are rock solid. There's a fourth that's pretty solid. And I think the fifth starter, much like most years, could kind of go anyway. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, and as spring training starts and develops and stuff like that, we're really going to get to see who's going to fill in those spots. And, you know, we'll talk about it again next week. It's going to be, uh, you know, a, a great show again. Pitchers and catchers are always exciting, you know, when they, when they show up. And, you know, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Absolutely. Maybe even something like a couple years ago when Luis Castillo decided to report to the team like five days late. Do you remember that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so strange. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, you can catch Steve at. You can catch me on the Twitter machine at King Carino or on my website, worldofcarino.com. Excellent. And I'm Ian Riccavani. Once again, that's I as in Ivan Putsky, A as in Adam Cole, N as in Nana. And last name is R-I-C-C-A-B-O-N-I. You can find me at Ian Riccavani. And uh, on philliesnation.com. And, you know, hopefully soon we we may have some news about the latest incarnation and and perhaps the latest season of Phillies Nation TV, which is kind of exciting, too. So uh, stay with us here on the Phillies Nation podcast. And we will be back next week with pitchers and catchers. So for Steve Carino, I'm Reen Riccavani. We'll talk to you next week.